How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Reagan Harrell. Manny Burroughs back on Suncast. Manny, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And before we move on, you know, I we said a little bit before we started recording. I'm glad to see that everything's good with you, health wise. You know, everything yeah. like that. So really, really happy to see you back on your feet. Yeah, I had a little setback again with the back. Uh, feeling a little bit better though, but. Yeah, Ray Rock and Roll. Uh, I was about to get into that a little bit. Uh, so this is kind of a little bit longer. I think it's been like eight or nine days since I've uploaded or we've uploaded a podcast. Um, that we had a little bit of technical issues, and then yeah, I was I was sitting over there on that couch, uh, very frustrated, not able to broadcast the Weber Warner game, not able to go see Coastal Georgia and Southeastern play an incredible series, but. Hey, is what it is. I'm back feeling a little bit better, being able to move a little bit. Got a little, not, not a whole lot of pep in my step, but I got a little something, something. Hey, that game going on behind you, is that the Hawks and the Heat? Yes, it is. Yes, how, it bad is. Are, how bad are my Hawks losing? They're actually up 43-30 40, in the second quarter. So Awesome. As you can tell, <laughs> I don't have much Hawks stuff behind here, a bunch of Georgia and Atlanta Braves stuff. But, yeah, the Hawks haven't really given me a whole lot. But – Folks, let's go ahead and get into it. We have got a great interview at the end of this episode. Cole Raspberry, Tinian Shahidi. I had more trouble saying Tinian's name. Uh, that's a little kind of funny. You see me kind of slip up a little bit uh, in the interview, but appreciate those guys. Uh, you know, Ave Maria, uh, they, had, they had the off week uh, this past week, but they're doing incredible. Just got ranked for the first time since 2014. Try to tell you, if Coach McCormick's building something special, he certainly is. However, we have something very, very, very fun for this episode. So we're not going to do a recap or anything. We haven't done that. We've kind of moved away from doing that. I think we like that more on Suncast. I think y'all like it more, Get talking about the athletes more, hearing from the athletes. But with just a couple of weeks, excuse me, left in the regular season, Manny and I have decided to look at a bunch of the names in the conference and decide a little prediction for the postseason award, player of the year, pitcher of the year, uh, the coach of the year. We'll get into it, but it was pretty easy. But Manny, before we get into it, you all give my man. How you doing? Been a minute since I talked to you. I am, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Appreciate being back on the podcast. The uh, weekend was softball filled. You know, we had... Weber and and St. Thomas. So really excited for this weekend's baseball series between Southeastern and St. Thomas. I think that could be a really important one uh, for postseason. Not so much on Southeastern side, but definitely for Bobcats. Um, but no, I mean, I'm just excited to get into it. I really am. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, how about uh, uh, Nat for Nat Natalie Kopovich uh, for St. Thomas Sun Conference Player of the Week? Torch Weber. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, she came. Very, very close uh, with Taylor and I on winning NAISB Player of the Week. Uh, I don't want to announce who it was. We haven't announced it on NAISB yet, but she was very, very close. There's just uh, one girl out on the West Coast that had an incredible weekend. I'll leave it at that. But, Manny, like I said, we're going to do uh, basically MVP Player of the Year, whatever your taste is, uh, for baseball, for softball, along with a couple of names that are knocking on that door that could very well take over the top name uh, here in these last couple of weeks. And we'll look at uh, for Pitcher of the Year for baseball and softball. Very fun. Uh, Manny, we might get in a debate, I'm sure, on, on some of these. Should be fun. I'll take it easy on you. Don't worry. No, I'm messing with you. But, yeah, no, uh, really excited. Manny, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's give our prediction for what we think the awards are going to be. We talked about it before. I think it's pretty easy for baseball and softball. Do you agree? 
I think so too. Um, I think the harder one for me might have been softball, but I do think that it comes down. It's pretty right now, at least with a few Sun Conference series left. I think it's pretty safe to say which the players are going to be for um, for MVP for both sports. I think it's pretty clear cut and dry. You think it's clear cut for all of the awards or just for coach of the year? Because I think coach of the year is clear cut. The rest of them, except for baseball MVP, I think is pretty open to debate. So coach of the year for softball. Um, it's got to be, it's got to be Gutierrez, right? It is. It, it really is. It like, I, I don't think there's any other way you can really cut it. Um, to play devil's advocate, I think the only other person would be a Southeastern's coach, Kayla Watkins. I think she's the only other one that has somewhat of a case. You know, they've been top 25 all year. They're going to finish top in the conference back-to-back years. It'll be the fifth time fifth time in their program's history that they're doing that. But it's like you said, Coach Gutierrez, I mean, best starting program history at 13-0. Receiving votes for the first time since 2013. They're going to get 30 wins for the first time since 2011. They also had some big series. You know, they took that first, they gave Southeastern their first loss in conference play in a nail-biting game number two that went to extra innings. And they're going to make the tournament for the first time since 2017. And they're going to make it pretty comfortably. Like, I don't, it's not like, oh, they barely snuck in. They have been on a tear. And I just think it's Coach Gutierrez's award to, I mean, I'd say lose, but really I don't see them him losing this award right now. Yeah, I mean, it would take a pretty disastrous end. And even still, I mean, everything they've done. Now, I'm not going to say they've locked up a spot in opening round play, but I think they'll uh, be able to get through it. Really interesting. They're playing Coastal Georgia coming up. That's going to be an extremely good series. But like you said, uh, you know, Coach Watkins, Coach Minnick up at Coastal Georgia, great years, both top 25. They're most likely going to be top 25 wire to wire. They're going to be an opening round. uh, team both coastal Georgia and southeastern however we already knew that we knew that in January December February there was really no doubt that these teams were going to be what they were however I don't think many people had St. Thomas as you know likely a three seed I think if the season ended today we would probably see St. Thomas be a three seed in opening round play and you know we talked about it uh, on this podcast I've talked about it with Taylor on NAISB this is an incredibly parity filled year in NAI now. And we've seen it before. I mean, three seeds go in all the time. So who knows? All you got to do is be one of those uh, last 40 or so teams to get in. But yeah, I think for softball, I think it is coach Gutierrez's award. I don't see it changing a lot. Could maybe, but I think it's pretty locked up. And I think it's well-deserved. For sure. For sure. Well-deserved is the best way to put it. You know, I always say on the broadcast, this has been a historic season with a capital H. And at this point, I think we've got to put the whole word in capital letters because they are just having one heck of a season and I'm enjoying watching it. And they've had some hiccups here and there, you know, losing some games as opposed to and stuff like that. But the run that they're on right now going into that coastal series this weekend, and then I will get in like to seedings and stuff like that. But I think, they really have a chance of going into Coastal and winning that series two to one because, again, momentum is something that I think is real determining factor. And whether Coastal wins or Southeast or St. Thomas wins, I do think it's going to be a close series either way, and I'm just really excited for it. I really am. I really am. I think Coastal takes the series. Um, I do think Coastal takes a series, but I think St. Thomas will go and take one. I think Abby Smith pitches another gem. However, the way Haley Dickerson and Bryce Peacock, two names we are definitely going to be talking about very soon when we uh, continue to get into softball, 
it's going to be tough. Uh, do you want do you want to do all the softball and then get into baseball, or you want to go ahead and talk, uh, coach coach of the the other? Co- I tell you what, let's go ahead and say the other coach of the year, and then we'll finish up softball and then roll into baseball. Um, so baseball coach of the year, I think this is probably the easiest award uh, to go ahead and say it's set in stone. It's got to be Coach McCormick uh, over at Ave Maria, ranked in the top twenty five for the first time since twenty fourteen. He took he has taken this team and completely changed what Ave Maria is in the last uh, and now year two. I mean, look at what what Ave Maria was thought to be when I committed to Weber or when I got here in fall of 2021 to what it is right now on April the 11th of 2023 is completely different now. And it's kind of like with softball. Sure. Adrian Dinkle 30, they're 39 and two. They're going to be the number one team in the country. They're going to be the top seed, but did anybody expect anything less? Same thing to be said with Colin Martin over at Weber. Great year. He's coached the team up. He's helped maintain. That was the big thing. Could Weber main being a top 10 team they've not left the top 10 the entire year they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth with that uh, number 10 ranking right now however two names sure Dinkle great year Martin great year but McCormick hats off to him I think he's pretty clear-cut the coach of the year in the Sun Conference baseball I think you're right it's similar to softball just a historic run for a program that hasn't really had a reputation and it takes that one year when you you know there's a everybody likes to knock at the door you're happy to be there but both you know softball for St. Thomas and baseball for Robbie Murray they said forget that we kicking the door in and we're announcing ourselves in the conference and that's why I agree with you I think he is going to be the favorite run, running ahead I do think the two names that you mentioned are that like if someone else were to win it you can maybe make a case for it but it, the reputation thing is a big thing. So I do think Avi Maria's coach is going to have this locked up and he might be able to, the team might be able to really stamp it with these next few weekends coming in where they got some, some very tough, tough opponents, as well as some big statement making games going into conference play, which again, they want to be hitting down their best cylinder and they have not really let up at all competing all year. It's been fun to watch for them too. Yeah. If Ave Maria does, finish the season very strong, winning the rest of their series, which which would include a series win over Weber at the end of the year uh, for their senior day. By the way, what a way to send out guys like Leonardi and Kaler if they were able to take two or three from Weber after already beating uh, Southeastern earlier this year. Would be huge. Will that happen? I don't know. We'll see how the teams are playing when we get close to it, how seeding looks. There's a lot determined, especially that last weekend. If you're locked up, who knows how how it goes. But, yeah. All right. Manny, you want to go ahead and start talking about some of these uh, awards for softball? So the awards for me, again, no secret, I'm new to really diving into the softball and baseball world. So it was very – it was a good good test for me to see which names I could come up with. Um, that's why we. That's why I did it. I didn't just do this just for the content. I wanted to see uh, see see how, uh, how you responded. So you know, I think MVP. There's been a lot of names you can throw out there. Uh, obviously, Claire Sinker at Southeastern, Bryce Peacock that we mentioned, Haley Dickerson. I think those three might be the ones that I would give the edge to, just because even though their teams are very respected and very well known when it comes to the softball action in the conference as well as uh nationally what they're doing has been very superb i think this past weekend was a good 
maybe uh, that little tick that you could give it to Claire because she did go in and take two out of the three games in, uh, with against Coastal. Coastal put up a great fight. Bryce Peacock had an amazing series. Um, so did Haley Dickerson. But I think right now I would give my vote to Claire. Not big gap, but I do think after this past weekend, she kind of solidified it a little bit more heading into the rest of the, the season. Yeah, and you look at Claire's numbers, a 1.8 ERA, and there are a couple of names uh, like Abigail Smith, Haley Dickerson with better ERAs. However, look at who Claire Seconders pitched against. I mean, Central Methodist being the year, Mobile, uh, they had that stretch at the beginning of the year, and look what she's done in conference play. That was the most impressive weekend of softball from an individual standpoint that I've seen so far in 2023. Uh, I mean, 15 innings against Coastal Georgia, who, in my opinion, is a top 15 lineup in the Sun Conference, only allowed one earned run in 15 innings. It was incredible. Uh, however, I do have clear. So here, here's how I went about it. This is going to be a little confusing, uh, uh, possibly, when I start uh, listing. For MVP, I really looked at who has the biggest impact on their team, along with the numbers as well. And we go into pitcher of the year. I did do it a little bit more numbers-based. However, my MVP for the Sun Conference, uh, I have Claire number two. Uh, number two, Claire, Claire Seconder uh, is number two uh, in my MVP power rankings with a very good shot of taking that number one spot. And number three is a name that you mentioned as well, Haley Dickerson, a .76 ERA, 14-4, and four, went toe-to-toe with Claire this past weekend. However, right now my MVP is Haley Dickerson's teammate, Bryce Peacock. Coming back th- this year, she has made a statement, and she she's you know a top-five hitter and a top-ten pitcher in the Sun Conference. She leads the entire conference with a one point. Uh, 235 on base percentage plus slugging OPS for short fourth with a 443 average 23 home runs three or I'm sorry 23 RBIs and if she had 23 home runs this would be a very short uh, debate uh, and a 2.13 ERA those are incredible numbers if she's just a hitter or just a pitcher she's doing it both the only other player doing it quite as well as her is Lizzie Small but still what Bryce Peacock is doing on both sides after coming back uh, from a, her season ending very short last year. It's very, very impressive. Uh, I think she she's right there. A couple other Leah Gonzalez with Southeastern, uh, you know, she's probably been the best bat, honestly, in the Southeastern lineup. And if you had told me that had been the case at the beginning of the year, I would have been a little surprised uh, with, with the likes of Haley Harold, Jamie Mead in the middle of that lineup. But Leah Gonzalez, she's been incredible. Uh Anderson uh, Johnson as well. She leads the home run. I'm sorry. She leads the Sun Conference with seven home runs and 33 RBIs. But with with Sun Conference softball, it's no real surprise we're gonna have pitchers kind of at the top of the MVP. That's just the way way it is. But yeah, I think it's Bryce Peacock right now. However, Claire, if she continues and she goes on a big run, Bryce's numbers dip down a little bit. I think Claire could very well be the Player of the Year uh, in 2023 in the Sun Conference and. Honestly, Haley Dickerson, she's right there. But I do think those are the three that I look at right now uh, to being player of the year in the conference this year. I completely agree with you. It, it's no surprise. Like, I really wanted to try and go – obviously, there is no pitcher of the year award, and I really wanted to try and go away. But it's like you said, it's kind of hard with the way that the pitchers have really been 
A1 all year. And every, especially this towards the back end, it feels like every series we have a top pitcher versus pitcher matchup. And it's been awesome to, to see again for somebody like me who is really diving into it uh, this year for the first time. It's, I'm giddy. I'm, a, I'm like a kid in a candy store and it's, it's yep. fun to watch. I know the exact feeling that you have, Manny, that buzz you get when you start covering a conference or a sport, you feel like a kid in a candy store, you're waiting to see. And I'm telling you this, this process, I'll talk to you more about all fair, but you'll have takes and you just want those to come through so bad. And then they usually don't. I'll go ahead and tell you, well, in my case, at least, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is a lot, a lot of fun. It, it's the best. It's, you know, part of the reason why I do it. Hey, if I wasn't having fun, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, don't think I'd be doing it. I don't know, but I'd say probably not. But let's move on to pitcher of the year for softball. This is very interesting. I think it is a toss-up between four or five names, really. Um, I did go a little bit more stat-based with it. Uh, Manny, do you want to start uh, with, with, with softball pitcher of the year? I had a VP. I think I think we'll, we'll, we'll go back and forth. So I'll, I'll give you the okay. stat for the pitcher. Okay, so there are four names that I think can win it and no argument for me either way. Um, but I'll get, kind of give you what I think most likely, or excuse me, least likely to most likely. And again, with Pitcher of the Year, I did go a little bit more stats-based. Um, I will say this, the one-two, I did give the slight edge because of who they pitched against. So let's go ahead and get into it. Fourth, and this is where the confusion starts. Even though I have Claire Seconder arguably winning uh, player of the year this year, I have her fourth in pitcher of the year. And like I said, we're separating hairs here with one through four. Uh, with, we've already talked about Claire's numbers, how important she's been. And that's another, another thing I, uh, I, I want to add on. I'll add this to her uh, player of the year debate as well for Claire Seconder. There were, there was that stretch where, and there, there's been stretches where the Southeastern lineup, which I said coming into the year was a top two or three, if not the best lineup in NAI softball, it's gone dormant. It has, and that happens in some conference softball when, when you're facing arms like we're about to talk about and some we, we probably won't even mention. mention. But Southeastern is one of these one nothing, two one, two zero games. And Manny, I think there was a stretch for five straight starts for Claire. She got player of the game um, on, on the Suncast graphics. I mean, it it was like I I know it's we're, like we're getting like fatigue of continuously putting Claire. It's like, but that's the only option. Uh, we've already talked about our numbers. Next one and this one, I'll go ahead and let you uh, take away a little bit. Abigail Smith, man. I mean, look, St. Thomas has had a great year as a team. Coach Gutierrez has done well. Take Abigail Smith out of that rotation. It's not the same team. She has been massive, a sub 0.5 ERA. You've seen her live, Manny. Can you just talk about Abigail Smith? It has really, and again, we're going to talk about Abigail right now, but I also want to shout out Caitlin Spaulding, Melody Viscayona. The That three women combo has really been something that has opened my eyes. Like you say, you know, I'm, I'm new to all this and I'm trying to absorb as much as I can. Sure. But I can see. Just and everybody knows, oh, pitching is important, pitching is important, but no, no, no. Watching those three women pitch really shows me how important that is to a success of a team, whether it's softball or baseball. And Abigail Smith has been again number one in ERA in the conference. Last time I checked, she was also top three in ERA in the NAIA. She's number two in uh, opposing batting percentage. It has been something that has been consistent, and that is the biggest thing that I think 
comes away with a lot of these awards. Every now and then you will have people who just surprise you out of nowhere to start a season. Or maybe they go do well at the end of the season. But for somebody to have a consistent streak like she has had from start to finish. And again, the competition, nothing like Southeastern has played. But, you know, you always got to just play who's in front of you and handle your business. That's a big thing. I think what separates a good team from a great team and a great team from an elite team are the game that you have to win or are supposed to win. And you handle your business early. You get it done out the way and you move on. That is what I feel like has really been the difference between softball from now is from what I'm hearing what it was in the past. They're being able to spearhead a lot of these opponents. And it's been great because I think it starts with Abigail and then it kind of goes to everybody else that sense of like okay we have her on our team and the way she's pitching maybe infuses everybody with a little bit more confidence the fielding has been amazing the the batting order even though sometimes it goes dormant as well has been able to have games where they just are they know Abigail's gonna put us in a good position we just got to be able to knock in these runs when the opportunity it presents itself so I think her again this numbers back it up but the effect she's had on this team also shows just how important she is and that's why I do have her a slight edge as pitcher of the year but like you said we're splitting hairs at this point these two women have been amazing and I can't wait for the pl- for the postseason for these two yeah, you mentioned she has the third best ERA in the country. You look at the two names uh, in front of her, Annalise Wood and Kira Baker. Those are the two best pitchers in the country, period. Uh, it, now, it's my opinion, but if you want to get we, – we can get Taylor on here and he's going to back me up. These are the two best pitchers in the country. And Abigail Smith is right there with them. Now, has she faced some of the lineups? Because, I mean, now – I'm not saying if you put Abigail Smith, could she go throw 13 innings strikeout against number nine Mobile like Annalise did last week? Eh, I don't know. But still, what Abigail Smith has done this year, incredible. And like I said, with these four, especially Abigail and these next two, splitting hairs for pitcher of the year. But let's move on. Uh, Number two uh, that I have, Madeline Morton. She is the strikeout queen right now. She will likely end the year with the most strikeouts. Could see Claire maybe giving her uh, a little bit of a run. But you can talk about the most important player on their team. The conversation starts and ends with Madeline Morton. Every name that we mentioned so far, God forbid they – injury happens out for the year things can still move the team could still win coastal can still win southeastern could still win i think abigail smith uh that might be we'll put an asterisk on that for for my comment there but madeline morton has carried the warner royal softball team this year when she steps in the circle period 0.94 era 126 innings pitch 150 strikeouts she's been incredible in her last year giving it all she's got uh you know she she's been she's been great she's number two and she's right up there with who I think the pitcher of the year is I have to agree I mean she is number three on my list um number three in ERA she's number two in most innings pitch in the game at nine she is a strikeout queen I mean everything you said is on point like Rondo and it's just it's 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 really hard splitting hairs, especially for somebody, like I said, new to it. I am seeing when I de- when I really took a deep dive into this, the numbers that there is some areas of movement here and there. I do think the one thing that Madeline is going to kind of hurt her case is, and I little, I guess, preview of what I think the Royals aren't going to f- be able to crack that top three 
and the three women ahead of her or the two women ahead of her are going to be in that top three most likely come the end of the season. I do value winning a little bit, even though, again, Warner's had a great season. I think they're going to finish strong. I think that that is where the splitting hairs thing comes in, where even though Madeline's had a great year, I got to reward a little bit more the winning that the Bobcats and and Southeast and uh, Coastal are going to be doing this year. Hey, I, I can't I can't argue with uh, with that at all. I took the winning a little bit out of it for the player of the year, um, obviously, with the entire MVP for me being uh, Southeastern and Coastal Georgia. That's a different story. But I, mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, you could put I think you put Madeline anywhere one through four, just like the other four names uh, that, that we've mentioned. But, however, my pitcher of the year is somebody who started the year, little shaky, looked unsure. We were like, is Coastal Georgia going to have uh, their ace? And then Sun Conference time came around, and Haley Dickerson has shut just about every lineup down. Not just about. She has shut down every lineup that she's faced. In fact, the only real team that had any success, you could argue, at Flomo when she gave up two runs. Warner, she gave up two runs, both in five innings of work. But seven innings, ten strikeouts, gave up one unearned run against Southeastern. Uh, unfortunately, she had Claire Seconder uh, uh, in the other dugout coming out to the circle. I've already talked about that in that game. But Haley Dickerson, just the number she she's put up this year, 14 and four with a 0.76 ERA. And she's only walked 14 batters in 90 and a third innings. Her command is unreal. I have to lean towards her to be pitcher of the year. However, you tell me Madeline Morton, Abigail Smith, Claire Seconder. I don't even throw another name. You throw in Autumn Hunter in there. I'm not going to argue with you a whole lot. I think it does come down between uh, Dickerson and Smith. I mean, Smith was just named Sun Conference Pitcher of the Week. Pitched for 15 innings, had 14 strikeouts, a win and a save. Obviously had the series sweep. And again, that .49 ERA is, is hard to dispute. Like you said, Dickerson right now is number one in the conference in wins at 14. Number four in batter struck out at 69. And she is number two in ERA at .76. The only reason I give it to Abigail, again, leaning more towards the numbers, that difference between 0.49 and 0.76 is not that close it's mm-hmm. a sizable difference and it, i just can't overlook that to not be able to give abigail that little slight edge now again like you said there's plenty of of ball left this weekend things could change big time for sure you know maybe i can give the edge of the coastal hot playing against Southeastern the weekend before. And then you got St. Thomas coming into it. They're kind of ready for that matchup. Bobcats haven't really had a real test when it comes to conference play since Southeastern, even though they were able to take one away. And that one's different because it's going to be, this one's going to be on the road at Coastal. So Dickerson might be able to come in and make, really sway some, some votes here, sway some people and say, look, even though the ERA might still be a little bit of a gap come end of the season, when you look at the head-to-head matchups, Dickerson could say that she has the advantage over Smith and it'll be hard to really like, yeah, we're back to now splitting even more hairs because maybe Smith has the ERA, but Dickerson got the best of her in their series. And if that happens. I I wouldn't be the one. I don't want to be the people to, to have to make this decision. I mean, it was hard for me doing that right now, just for the podcast. I can't oh, imagine dude, it, official stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're, you're just like me. I'm hey, I don't, I don't actually want to pick who it is. I just want to talk about who I think yeah, it would be and then complain sure. if that doesn't happen. That's all I want to do. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. And I think of Abigail Smith, that she goes up uh, to, to, to Brunswick, Georgia, and she has a seven inning one run and, 
against that Coastal Georgia lineup, I think then it gets really hard uh, not to pick her for pitcher of the year. But as it stands uh, right now, all four of those names, Seconder, Smith, Morton, Dickerson, those are the four it's going to come down to. You give the slight edge to Smith. I give the slight edge to Dickerson right now. And I can almost guarantee by this time next week, we'll have a different opinion on it. Uh, but hey, that, that that is how it goes. How about we get, get an easy one? How about we go ahead and I think we both agree on, I'm not sure, I don't know your pick here, but let's go ahead and move on uh, from softball. Let's talk about Sun Conference baseball right now. I have a pretty consensus number one for M- baseball MVP. Do you have a, a number one or is it up to debate for you right now? I'm, is this one a little bit more up to the bay? Um, I kind of wanted yeah. to let you take the the road, the sure. wheel here, so that way I can see where your head's at and kind of get through these uh these stats a little bit better on my end. Sure. And by the way, uh, you mentioned stats. These stats are according to the Sun Conference website. We've gone, we've double checked, we we because there's stuff that's not right on there. A lot of the times, if it was pitcher of the year for baseball, it'd been an easy pick because uh, there's somebody with like a 1.3 ERA, and I'm like, well, I don't think that's quite right. But um, anyway, so some of the stats we could be off a couple digits. Bear with us, doing the best we can. However, let's go ahead and get into it. Baseball MVP, my MVP right now is Gary Laura. He is leading the conference in home runs, 16, RBIs, 54. He is slugging 863. His OPS is 1.384. He's third with a 427 batting average. He's second in hits. He's batting 556 in Sun Conference play with six home runs and 19 RBIs. I'm not hearing the argument where they play, where the field is. I don't care. I'm not hearing it. I'm not here for it. Right now, Gary Laura is the MVP, and I think he's going to hold it throughout the rest of the year, just the way he's playing. He's red hot. He's gotten better in Sun Conference play. That's the scary thing. I think he's going to win it. However, I do think there are a couple of names that could give him a run, but right now, Gary Laura is my baseball MVP. I agree with you because I had his name on, and I think what stamped it for me was seeing that he won NAIA Player of the Week. When I saw that and I saw the numbers that he was putting up, I was like, okay, I'm giving him the edge again. New to the scene, but seeing that, diving into the into the numbers, I have to agree that Gary is going to be the front runner right now. Like I said, we have some names. I think his uh, teammate, Isaac Nunez, is going to be another one. Yep. I, from personal experience, wanted to make sure that we mentioned Angel Diaz because when I saw – that one game that I saw in the uh, first series against Weber and St. Thomas, I felt like I was saying his name the entire broadcast. He was doing yep. amazing. He was his hits were amazing. He stole every time that he got he got on the first. That second was already in play. It felt like on the field he was a, a ball and his glove. They were just in love because every time he tried to make a play on it, it was going right into it. It was amazing, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we mentioned his name. I also want to give a shout out to someone you had on the podcast, Tyan Shahidi, because when I saw that series against St. Thomas and Ave, him and Tanner Kelly were the ones that I felt like I kept hearing over and over and over again. Now, Tanner's a little bit more personal because I also remember him from last year. He had a great series against the Bobcats, so I want, wanted to give that name out there too. But Tyan Shahidi, number six in runs, batted in the conference at 42. He leads Ave in batting percentage, hits, and RBIs. He's third in slugging percentage. I think he has a dark horse chance. I do think, again, Gary is going to be the front runner. But Shahidi, again, just like we said, the coach of the year, 
he could have the story of like this program is coming together and who's spearheading it, who's being some of the people that we always hear about that is always having a great game. That's a big part, a, a moment that could have made, made or break the game. Boom, who was doing it? And I think Ty Hand is going to be a dark horse candidate when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I'd be remiss to not have uh, Ave Maria guy on here as well. And it did. It came down to T and one other one other guy. I did give the nod, and T is right there. He's probably in that six, seven, eight range. Uh, I didn't go that far. I gave, I gave five, and I, I cut it off there because if not, five, six, seven turns into eight, nine turns into next thing. I know I got the top 25 players in the conference, <laughs> and that's how my brain works. I said no. I uh, stopped it at five. Um, and actually, in that five spot is David Leonardi. Um, you know, the home run leader for Ave Maria, Mr. Jirene, and he's proved it this year. He leads the team with 11 home runs. He's batting 323 with 37 RBIs, and he's slugging 654. Um, and name that you mentioned, I'm really glad you did, Angel Diaz. I have him uh, right up there, 3-4, and I'll, I'll say the uh, my two and three here, here in a minute. But you mentioned Angel Diaz. You mentioned the stolen bases. He's 19 for 20 on stolen bases on the year. Manny, this is going to be something that you are going to really love and something that I didn't really think about until more recently. Watching players develop and change from when you cover them one year to the next year. Angel Diaz was not a stolen base threat, and he really wasn't a huge – I mean, he was an RBI producer for us, but he wasn't one of the main guys like, hey, if we got – we had a big situation, we need Angel Diaz up right now. No, that was Kenny Rodriguez. That was K-Rod. Angel Diaz said, I'm stepping up in that position. I'm going to solidify the uh, middle of this lineup, four spot, three spot, wherever Colin put, puts him in at, and he's going to do incredible, and he's 19 for 20 on stolen bases – Manny, that wasn't part of his game. He didn't steal bases last year. He was a slow first baseman who maybe got a couple here and there. Now, of course, a 377 batting average, that's giving him plenty more opportunities. And, you know, playing in the biggest ballpark in the Sun Conference, he only has three home runs. I'm not doing the ballpark thing. I'm done. I'm not saying anything about, about, about the ballpark. I'm not. But plays a Southeastern, I don't know. But we're not doing that. But, yes, Angel Diaz, he's been incredible. He's right there. Um I think two through five isn't interchangeable, by the way, on my list. Eh, I'll say three through three through five. One and two, I'm kind of set on. But let's le go right on into it, and let's go to number three. Um, I was like, well, this can't be all – well, we ha had David. Anyways, uh, Kenny DiClemente, uh, he, he is number three right now. And you could, like I said, uh, three through five, you can kind of interchange. I have him at three. Uh, Kenny has been incredible. He has taken that two, three spot. Uh, I think he was two, he's been the two mostly, uh, this year for coach Fordyce, but nine home runs leads the team and walks with 32, a 411 batting average, uh, third in the conference in slugging, uh, almost 800, few ticks off of there, uh, second and uh, on base percentage behind Gary Laura with a, uh, 1.3. I'm sorry, yeah, 1.316 OPS on base percentage of 533. I think he's right up there. He's been huge now. This Kaiser lineup, it's dangerous. There are a few guys. I was like, we have to have a Seahawk on here. I definitely think Kenny deserves it. Uh, did you have him uh, around your list at all? I gave the talk, the nod to, to David instead of Kenny because, like you said, he was another Ave Maria that – was having a really good season, like I said, 11 home runs, 0.323 uh, percentage. I think that I gave him the nod. 
And I also, like I said, gave Isaac Nunez number one in batting percentage at 0.434. I think that that's where I kind of, like you said, my, my brain was the same way. You start top five, next thing you know, you got 10. And I'm like, how did I get here? Well, I've got made it this far. I might as well keep going. And I was exactly. like, no, I got to stop here at some point. So that's where I finished out the, the rest of my list. Gotcha. Um, and name you already mentioned, my number two guy, uh, Isaac Nunez. And if I were dra drafting team from NAI baseball players and I have the first overall pick, I'm probably taking Isaac Nunez. And it's not just the numbers. It's what he does off of the field. Uh, if you haven't listened to that interview, folks, with Isaac Nunez, scroll down a couple of episodes um, and go and listen to that. I think it was, I don't know, four, five episodes ago, maybe. Anyways, you'll see it. It's him and Angel Diaz, a very well-spoken guy, Isaac Nunez, and he's a leader. You know, he is the leader of the Southeastern baseball team. He is probably the most important player. I'd say he's the most important player on that team, just what he does from a leadership perspective on and off the field. But, yeah, Gary Laura. Gary Laura is the name, the numbers. Uh, year two, he's somehow stepped it up from last year uh, for Southeastern. So, yeah, I got to give the nod Gary Laura right now. And what I think will hold, who knows what could happen into the year, but I think it's pretty safe to say right now, player of the year, 2023 Sun Conference Baseball, Gary Laura. Manny, do you agree with that? I really do. And the most – Excited thing I, I, I'm I feeling from this conversation already with that series coming in this weekend. I got, already got names to, to keep an eye out for and, and really keep hone in on Gary, Gary, Isaac. And so I mean, I'm excited. I, I think you're right there. I think it's going to be his as of right now. I say it was is his to lose and the way Southeastern is playing. I don't see it uh, that happening at all. Absolutely. Um, Pitcher of the year. I'll go ahead and tell you. Pitcher of the year is a crapshoot. And I'll tell you why because all these pitchers have to go up against Sun Conference lineups. And numbers get kind of crazy. When if you look at numbers compared to what they are from an overall season versus what they are against Sun Conference lineups, it is insane how much higher some of these numbers are. So, and for all of these numbers, we're taking the whole season. I'm not a guy that just bases off conference stats. I think that's a little ridiculous. No, what'd you do over the full year? Speaking of, on that, I didn't know that until uh, when I was uh, doing the broadcast for STU women's basketball and I saw the little icon. I'm like, what is this? And when I clicked it, I realized, oh, this is specifically conference. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, this could be good. But I'm more like you. I got to go with the, the entire body of work because that's important. I, that's why all these are overall statistics. Um, A few names don't really have an order. I've got. Martin out of Weber, uh, Florida Memorials, Charnin, Southeastern, I got Batcher. Like, these are the, the – I'd say those are the three names that I really have at the top of the list. Um, All three are top when the conference in ERA. I would probably give the nod to Martin right now. I know you see him more uh, in person than, than I do, but I think he's had the best season. Again, going with the Sun Conference, uh, I always say they're second or none when it comes to baseball. And it's very hard. I realize the difference between the numbers when the you're playing against specifically conference, then you get throw in everybody else that you have on your schedule. But I think that I, that's where I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Martin uh, out of Weber. Who who did you mention from Florida Memorial? Uh, Charnin. Charnin. I think he was one of the guys whose stats were really off on the Sun Conference website going back because I I wrote him down too, and I kind of went and checked the stats on the website. A um, they didn't match. I'll say that and move on. I have three guys. Uh, I have three guys that it, it's right now. 
and then a list of names that, that are going to be hounding at them if they slip up at all. Um, I'll say that I'll give you this. The name that's not in the three that if those three continue or not continue, if they slip and he steps up at the last week, Danny Galvin for Kaiser, 3.6 ERA, he has not lost. He arguably the best command in the Sun Conference, 67 strikeouts, 11 walks. He's been incredible. Two other names, two bullpen guys, Dawson Young for Weber, closer, leads the conference in uh in saves. Yep, and saves seven for eight. Um that one blown save, that tragic against Southeastern. He came in and pitched an absolute gem. I think he was two. I think he pitched two and two thirds inning. In, or no, I'm sorry, he pitched uh, three, two and a third, three and a third, something like that. Innings and in relief against Southeastern. Uh, incredible, longest I've probably see, seen him go out and pitch. And yeah, we all know how that game ended. Don't need to go into it and go into my nightmares anymore. However, I do have one more relief pitcher. Um, and he's the best relief pitcher in NAI baseball. Dawson Young's uh, top five, no doubt. Maybe top three. Reese Weisinger is the best relief pitcher in NAI baseball. Um, he, in 16 relief pitch, I'm sorry, in 16 relief appearances, he's got 24 innings pitched, a .75 ERA, a 114 opponent batting average. He's faced 79 hitters, and he struck out 46 of them. You step up, there's a 60% chance you're going left, right, left, and drag that bat in the dirt right back to the dugout. Only six walks. Also, those are numbers-wise, those are the best numbers in the conference, period. But relief pitcher or starter, unfortunately, that's just kind of, kind of how it goes. So, yeah, those three guys, a uh, few, few, few other starters, but right now, Name you mentioned, Dylan, the outlaw Martin. The best pitching performance against Southeastern, bar none. Six innings, gave up the one run. And that one run, there was a runner uh, at third base. Uh, ball was slapped, and it hit off to the bag, looped over the third baseman. That was the only run in six innings that was scored on Dylan Martin. And he's the only guy that can say that he went six innings and only gave up uh, one run against Southeastern. So far, there's been 40 guys get, give it a shot give or take a couple maybe don't think we've had any repeat against southeastern probably not definitely not definitely not yeah anyways he was incredible against them he's seven and one on the year with a 3.19 era went out against warner eight innings incredible performance and turned out he actually almost passed out on the mound uh this past weekend found that out which is a little scary but uh dylan great amazing uh he's right up there with the next guy, uh, and two and three, real coin flip here, Darian Smith. Darian Smith has the best pitch in the NAI. His slider at 86 to 88 miles an hour, the amount of movement. Talk to some of the guys at Weber. They said that his slider, it looks like it's hitting him from the right hand, righty righty matchup. It looks like it's going to hit him. It does, it, like it's going to hit him. I could, if I could tell you the amount of times I saw our guys just go, thing is going to hit him, and the umpire just, her and it's like oh my gosh yeah uh darian smith nine and one the 3.07 era great uh low to mid 90s fastball that seems like it continues to get a little bit faster as the year goes on which is a very scary thought and that slider man um it, it it's an mlb slider i mean it is a well maybe not mlb but it's a high double a triple a pitch already it, it's incredible um it gives it gives batters fits 
big thing with Darian, consistency um, as a few here and there. But, hey, guess what? That's baseball. If you're a pitcher, you're going to get lit up every now and then. Um, that leads me into my top guy right now. And I say right now because he struggled some in the Sun Conference outside of his performance against Weber. Danny Batcher has an ERA of about five against Sun Conference. But, however, like we said, this is a, for everything, especially for Sun Conference pitchers, it would be incredibly unfair to just judge them off of what they do against uh, Sun Conference teams, especially if they have to go to Kaiser and to Southeastern and have to play in those two uh, ballparks, very hitter-friendly ballparks. Um, Danny Batcher, to have a 2.66 ERA, 7-0 on the year, and a 1.70 opponent batting average while playing baseball or pitching at Ted A. Ted A. Bower Field in Lakeland, Florida, is incredible. I think Danny right now is the pitcher of the year. However, if you give me a name to say who will be at the end of the year, I think it will be Dylan Martin. Um, I think he is going to close this year out extremely well. Um, I think it will be Darian, Dylan, or Danny, one of one of the Ds uh, that that will get it. I think it's a toss up. Am I a little partial because Dylan, the outlaw, Martin's one of my best, one of my very good friends here at Weber, and um, I love the guy and I love broadcasting. Maybe. Maybe, but uh, I think it's close between those three guys. Uh, you pick Dylan Martin. Um, I'll shift. I'll say Darian Smith wins it just to be a little different from you. But in all honesty, I do think Dylan Martin. And no bias, you know, like in all honesty, folks, no bias. The way Dylan's pitching right now, and to be honest, with who he's going to face, hit likely, it, it's going to get better. He's, he's going to get a start against Flomo this weekend start against Thomas next weekend, and start against Ave Maria. Now, Ave's tough, but Flomo, Thomas, I could see him having incredible games, maybe get that ERA south of three heading into that Ave Maria series, and then who knows what happens. But, yeah, that so it seems like the outlaw, we're rocking with the outlaw probably. I say we're rocking with the outlaw. And don't worry, I'm right there with you for pitcher of the year, uh, biasness with, with Abigail in, in softball. So we're right there. And again, of course, all joking aside, neither one of us are, are picking it just because we, we attend the schools and we know them personally. But I'm right there with you. I don't want to make it seem like it is, but I guess that's to, to back us both up. So that's all that matters. Absolutely. Well, Manny, this is great. Uh, anything else you wanted to cover anything uh, before we kick it over to our interview? Um, I think the seeding coming into the home stretch here for both conferences is going to be very, very important, very, very interesting. I think softball has a few more uh, notable watches. Uh, like we said, St. Thomas versus Coastal this weekend. We also have St. Thomas versus Kaiser. Thomas versus Warner that I think is going to be uh, for the bottom end of the standings coming into the postseason. Uh, when it comes to tournament odds, I for softball specifically, I kind of have it where I think Southeastern – should get the nod as the favorites going into the tournament. I have St. Thomas second just because I think the momentum that they have going into the tournament will be very, very important. Now, that could flip-flop with Coastal at, that I have at three, depending on how this series goes, obviously. Yeah. And then the, the team that I kind of have with the – I like to say that if everything goes right, because there's always that one team every year, if everything breaks right for them, kind of yeah. stuck between Warner and Kaiser, I'd probably give it more to, to Warner. Um, But I think that those are like my four – five, if you want to throw Kaiser in there too, of going in the tournament, who do I really think can win the win the, the whole thing and stamp their way into the to national tournament? It's an interesting take. Um, I do think, and you, and you think if St. Thomas does go, if St. St. Thomas would still need some help. Um, if they take two or three against Coastal, 
Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would overtake them. Yeah, they would uh, overtake them in, in the conference standings. However, that means they have to play perfect and hope uh, Coastal Georgia. If they do slip up, hope Coastal slips up along with them. That's and, actually what I have in the notes. It literally says STU needs at least one more sweep or Coastal to drop a game for it to be a little bit more in favor of them. That's why I'm kind of iffy on saying maybe St. Thomas will go in the three seed. But the beginning of that will be, you know, they hold they hold their destiny in their hands, so to speak, starting this weekend. And if Coastal comes in and says, no, we're closing the door on that, you're going to have to sit pretty at three going into the tournament, then I, I wouldn't be surprised with that route either. Well, they have to be careful. Uh, St. Thomas does have to be careful because what they cannot have happen is get swept, go in a little cold streak, and next thing you know, you're playing Coastal Georgia and Southeastern again because they're currently 10 and 5, but you got Kaiser – uh at nine and six thomas who just had a huge weekend shout out uh holly campbell you're talking about a name who we didn't mention that could very well be in there for uh mvp and how big she's been she's been kind of getting that claire seconder uh treatment whenever we have a thomas game it's like pretty good shot we're gonna have holly campbell as player of the game uh they're eight and ten in the conference kind of knocking on that door warner seven and eleven and then you have ave flomo and weber um those are going to be your three non-tournament teams, uh, more than likely. Uh, especially, I don't, I don't see Flomo or Weber making it. Ave could chase down Warner, maybe, but I think we're pretty well set with the six that we have. However, I think one of two teams wins a Sun Conference tournament. I mean, just straight up being honest with you, I think it's either Southeastern or Coastal. I think when it gets to tournament time, these two have been there, and. I like your comparison with how you're drawing St. Thomas into it. They're my, they are my dark horse. I still think they're the dark horse in this because if there was the gambling aspect of it, they'd had there, there'd be small money for Southeastern, small money for Coastal, big money for everybody else. But uh, for St. Thomas, the comparison that's rattled around my brain, I think we discussed this. I may have talked about it with Taylor, is kind of like Weber, where you have an ace. And Abigail Smith, much like Kayla Swenson from uh, last year for Weber. Of course, Weber, three seed, heading into the conference tournament, won it. However, St. Thomas doesn't have a Mimi Maggard and Abigail Smith. The experience that Weber had last year. Weber was a team last year that was building, building through a few years. I think what St. Thomas, I think, here's what I think. I think St. Thomas will be Weber next year what Weber was in 2021 is what St. Thomas will be in 2024 however we have said it so many times with the parody who knows I would say outside of those two yes it is St. Thomas could Kaiser make a run maybe maybe I have them down as the toughest remaining schedule I think they have the toughest remaining schedule yeah um, literally southeastern St. Thomas and coastal Georgia um at least two of them are at home, so you can kind of give them that that advantage there. But I, it's I really don't know. Um, the most winnable game that I think that they have is the Bobcats. Um, and even still, I don't think they're gonna make it an easy one. But I Kaiser's, I'm looking at it. If they can come out of this this gauntlet that they have left mm-hmm. on the winning side, on the high side, confidence could be very high. The players must be playing at a very well, uh, very high level. Again, we go back to what we always say. You play your best ball at the right time, and if everything breaks right, next thing we know, we're talking about, oh, the Seahawks are are still in it, and they're they're not backing down. 
I could see it. Um, we'll save any predictions for the tournament that's on down the line. Um, I've already told you who I think my, my the, the the two are, but we'll talk more about that. Uh, let's briefly let's take a quick look at baseball and then kick it over to uh, the interview. We know who one is. We know who one's likely going to be. However, it gets real interesting when you look two, three, four, five, six. And I mean, real interesting. You have Ave at nine and three. However, they still uh, have that big series with Weber. Weber and St. Thomas are tied at six and six. Um, Weber is slightly above St. Thomas record-wise on the overall. Kaiser's right there, five and seven, coming off that uh, sweep. Uh, I'm sorry, they got swept by Southeastern. And then Flomo at five and seven. And then you have Tom Warner and Thomas. It's going to be really interesting down the stretch. Um it's so close right now. It's hard to tell. Don't know what's going to happen. I do think Weber separates himself from St. Thomas because um, St. Thomas still has to play uh, Southeastern. Uh, still has to play Kaiser. Yes. Yeah. Still has to play mm-hmm. Kaiser. Yes. Who's the third third matchup? I, th- I have Warner. I have Warner. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Weber's definitely got the easier schedule uh, compared compared to that. Will Weber catch Ave? That's the big question. I say probably yes. Um, I'll see Weber moving ahead, taking that two spot. I see Ave sliding down in the three. I think St. Thomas stays at four. And I don't – I mean, Kaiser and Flomo could flip-flop. I think really how it is right now is how it's going to be. Um, I think the only change, how we see it right now, is how it's going to be uh, with Thomas and Warner likely missing – Flomo uh, and Kaiser being in that uh, five, uh, both being five and seven, Weber and St. Thomas six and six, which is really close. I mean, a half game difference uh, between being the three seed and being the six seed. Who knows? We'll see what happens uh, with that. But yeah, I, the big thing, clear, obvious, Southeastern's going to win the regular season. They'll be the one seed and they'll be the team to beat in West Palm Beach uh, May 4th through the 7th. You going to be there with me, man? I mean, that's the first time we're talking about it. it. Kind of put me on the spot on the on the podcast. But we can talk I, about it all fair. We can talk about nah, it. All. I, I would love to, I would love to be there for sure. I mean, it's it's again, it'd be a great experience. Be the first time that you and I get to meet uh, in person. Uh, definitely, again, presence of greatness. I'm a little nervous, but uh, <laughs> I would I would love to to be a part of that for sure. I got to um, figure out where I'm gonna be staying down in West Palm Beach. Kind of just be like, uh, hey, Colin, can I get a get a little? <laughs> <laughs> it's a definitely easier drive for me about about just under an hour, maybe like an hour, fifteen, hour thirty. So definitely a lot easier drive for me. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be that'd be a great experience for sure. Well, we'll talk more about it off air, Manny. But uh, I'm good. You good? Send it I'm over good. to Cam and T. All right, we'll send it over right now. Uh, Cam T over Ave Maria. Great interview. Send it over right now. Oh, oh by the way. Really appreciate y'all tuning in. Love y'all and, and enjoy the episode or the interview. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Not the cleanest ending. There we go. All right. We welcome on two very special guests. Hey, you know, it's become a regular theme having on some Ave Maria baseball players, but the way they are playing baseball down in Naples, Florida, can't blame us too much. We have Tynan Shahidi, Cole Raspberry. Boys, said it before, y'all are hot as the top side of a rattlesnake in the desert. Y'all are killing it right now. I mean, how does it feel? What's the, what are the vibes at Ave Maria baseball right now? And we're just excited and we're just hungry, too, is the big thing. Like, we got one against Southeastern. We wanted to get at least two. Felt like we, like, one slip away. But, you know, we're ready to be, get at it, you know. We don't plan on losing again like that. But, so. <laughs> well, 
you know, I, I got to say, I kind of hope y'all plan on losing a couple more when y'all take on Weber here in a couple weeks. But I know that's not not that not how y'all want it to be, of course. Hey, I'm really excited because y'all were a team that uh, I talked about, uh, other coaches talked about, like, hey, watch out for this team. And y'all have blown through the expectations. You swept St. Thomas. You took one and you almost took two from the best team or the number one team in the country, the Southeastern Fire. You know, something interesting, you two guys, Cole and Atina, y'all have come in as, as seniors that have experience at good JUCOs and at the Division One level. Can y'all just talk about how y'all have helped bring that experience into Ave Maria and the success y'all have had this year? Yeah, man, you, you know, uh, we, uh, we're real big on the mindset, you know, just going, going to every game and knowing that we're going to come out on top, you know, and just uh, really being there in practice and working hard and having real intense practices. And, I mean, it's kind of yeah. it, really. I mean, if you go in every game, think you're going to win, you know. Yeah, the culture, is, the culture is definitely there. Uh, we got the entire infield returns and stuff like that. Jimmy, TK, uh, DK, and Leo and stuff. We got Gonzo that returned, Franco that returned, Sig that returned. All those position players, you know, they're doing a big part and, uh, I know me and Raz and Pop Axel uh, Melendez. He's our other catcher. You know, we all just we're glad to be on the ride with them. You know, how's that transition or like the gelling of the team? Because you had guys like you that that have come in, and then guys that have been there, uh, like David, like Kaler. Uh, uh, Jose's been, been there a year. Those guys that have been at Ave Maria and have helped change the culture, and then you guys coming in, what's that relationship been, been like with the newer guys and the more experienced Jairines? They're our best friends, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Big family, man. Yeah. We do everything together. You know, we have some boys' nights when we can, you know, and just – Patron's our dad, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come, it sounds like I might have to come down there and uh, may, maybe have some have a little night out in Naples with, with y'all boys. I might be a, I might be a Bob. Oh yeah, it's it's a good time. We definitely definitely know how to have a good time. So absolutely, you know, uh, look look back at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, a, ba a probably a bad memory. Y'all haven't had too many this year, but uh, that game that nine two loss, y'all scored. Yeah, you know, I had to bring it up. Come on, guys, you, you, you so we had it. And what was crazy, TK got that hit, dive and play, and they gave him the air, you know. Whatever. Yeah. I, hey, I don't do the stats. I did, I, I, I'm not the stats <laughs> I'm just the broadcaster. But but that loss, that loss to Weber, since then, y'all have got on an incredible run. Uh, y'all have been one of the best teams in the NAI. Was that kind of a wake-up call for y'all? I was like, hey, we are good. We are one of the better teams uh, in the last few years of Ave Maria baseball. But we still have to come in and do the work and do the little things right, which y'all have obviously done of late. What was cool about that, like, Weber game, too, is we got to saw Alex Nickler. Uh, we got to saw Dolwick and Christian Horner. Those are a bunch of guys that haven't got a lot of innings at Ave. Those are two new guys, and I think Nickler's been here two years. So they got good innings against Weber. They they pitched well and stuff. And they showed that they can be used and stuff in our team for the long haul. So they showed yeah. that early. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, uh, Tiny, I talked to one of my friends uh, at Southeastern by the name of Jay Shuler the other day. And I told, yeah. <laughs> and I I told him that you were coming on and he said you were going you're going to be great. And he knew you all played together at Juco. Can you just tell, tell us a little bit about Jay Shuler and maybe a good story of Jay? A good story of Jay? Well, oh, I, could, I have many good stories of Jay. One that we can um, say on, on this podcast, of course. Yeah. Well, he came 
oh, as a freshman when I was a sophomore, you know, Parkland, we were pretty good the year before, you know, I was a starter and stuff like that. And this freshman pitcher just comes in like, yeah, I'm about to be the dude. I'm about to be, I touch, I'm touching 94, 95. I'm about to be the dude and stuff. He comes out, his first, his first inner squad, he got lit up like a bro, like a Christmas tree. It was great. It was great. Got to humble him a little bit and stuff, but, you know, it made him better for it and stuff. And he, he turned into a dog, so. I want to I want to see him get more innings at Southeastern for sure. So. I think he absolutely will. He's still a uh, young guy there. There are a ton of good arms. He's getting some innings. I, I think he will be getting a lot more uh, throughout his career at Southeastern. But we look at Parkland College, a lot of guys in, in the Sun Conference like you, uh, like like Jay. And you went – y'all both were at Division ones before uh, Cam – or I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Cole, you were at uh, Butler, uh, Tinian, Tinian – I'm sorry, Tinian – T, yep. T, I call you Ty. Uh, call me T. T. Call you T. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like like with, with names on the fly. It's always kind of like I'm not going. Yeah. You play when you played against Weber. I called you Shahidi the whole night. No, I did. That's right. Most people mess up the last yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but boys, uh, uh y'all both played at Div- Division One's great JUCOs uh, before that. And now you're here in the Sun Conference. I'm, I ask a lot of people, and I just love he- hearing them talk, talk about it. D1 guys or former D1 guys, especially. Let's talk about the Sun Conference and just how you know, hard it is. I mean, y'all have now uh, y'all played Weber, you played St. Thomas, you played Southeastern, you played these top teams in, in the NAI that are here in the Sun Conference. Can you just talk about the grind of Sun Conference baseball. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. Um, and a lot of people here in AI, you know, they don't they don't think a whole lot about it. But um, the Sun Conference is definitely could I feel like could compete with a Division One conference and win a lot of games. Yeah, like going to Flomo like two weeks ago. That was a team I think picked in the bottom half and stuff like that of the conference. And didn't they they just beat Kaiser ten run Kaiser this weekend? They took one from us. Yeah. Like they're a tough team and stuff like that. Like. That's a team like you know, and maybe not talked about as much, but dude, one, all three games are just a dogfight there. So, yeah, that's the thing about the Sun Conference, and what I realized last year when I started covering Sun Conference baseball is, yes, you have your household names, your Kaiser, St. Thomas, your Southeastern. Uh, you know, last year Weber stepped up into that. Y'all are stepping up into that this year, being talked about more. But these teams like Warner who made a regional last year, Flomo, who, who yes, they took one from y'all, took uh, run-ruled Kaiser, crazy series. They run-rule uh, game one, I think 11-1, to one, and then Kaiser comes back Saturday and run-rules them 13-3, to 11-1, to one, just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. But, I mean, hey, what, what else to expect? But, anyways, these other teams, like Thomas also. I mean, Thomas a, a really good team that uh, get, gives teams a good run for their money sometimes. And the overall – mountain or the overall build of Sun Conference baseball is doesn't matter who you're playing. You, if you go in just thinking, hey, you're going to go get three easy wins, that may be the case for some teams and other conferences, but there's nobody. I mean, you look last week, Warner, who, I mean, they're kind of in, in that lower half in the standings right now, they gave Southeastern all they could handle. Y'all gave Southeastern more than they could handle. Weber about about got them all these teams that, that are competing and everything it's built up something re- really great and i'm just lucky enough uh being able to cover it but you guys both y'all got to play uh in, in some big environments playing a juco ball uh you know that, that that's a whole different breed uh being a juco bandit you gotta have you gotta have a little bit more dog in you than, than the average guy can y'all both uh Cole, we start with you just talk about playing juco uh baseball and how it made you better as an overall baseball player 
Oh man, um, we were just talking about. We were it. just yeah. talking about that actually. So, uh, yes, my I'm not gonna lie to you. My freshman year of of junior college, I there was a couple points in me where I was like, man, like I don't know if I can make it through. But you know, we stuck it out, and uh, it really shows just how much like you can really get through. You know, you can get through it. Be gritty. Have long days. You know, just. Nothing can stop you, and I feel like that's the biggest thing that made me better was just, like, when, when it was hot or if it's cold or whatever it is, you know, you just push through it. And um, bottom nine of the game, push through it, you know, the best and come up with a hit or whatever you got to do in the ninth to win a game, you know. T, what about you? I mean, as that was playing Juco ball, I mean, that really instilled that dog mentality in you? Oh, yeah, big time, 100%. I advise a lot of people, actually, to – they can to go junior college. So is that, you know, I hear that. And obviously with junior college baseball, it's you, there's more Juco in baseball than any other sport. And the reason is that development for baseball, it's not always easy for uh, an 18 year old fresh out of high school to go up and go face 93, 94, 95 with, with an 83 mile an hour slider. I mean, yeah. it's not, ready for that i mean the development of, of playing in juco i mean could y'all both just talk about you know maybe some coaches or or uh other people at your junior college that helped you develop y'all's game uh at parkland uh john goble recruit recruited me uh he was a pitching guy he was a head coach and but he just worked with the pitchers mainly so we didn't work one-on-one -on -one, but he gave me the opportunity at parkland and he was just he was the man like he ran the show he was a driveline disciple just like patron is and just like all oh, the ave maria guys are so at, at parkland you think of pitching usually but he recruits good uh, position players too and we gelled well together our team was our team was sweet jeff wetzler helped uh and doug yarrow got to give him a shout out from parkland doug yarrow was the man too so for sure and cole how about you yeah uh yeah, I actually got recruited by uh, Jimmy Brenneman. Um, he's not they, he's not at Frontier anymore, but I don't know. Is that something? He's at a, a different school in Dallas now, I believe. But, uh, yeah, he recruited me coming in. He's also a pitcher, hitter guy. And then uh, Zach Gertz really helped, helped me a lot get through with uh, a lot of approach stuff, like the driveline stuff. So we did a lot of that. And, um, yeah, he just knew how to – knew how to make, make people better, really. So Absolutely. You know, speaking of making players better, uh, I don't know if there's anybody better right now at developing players in the NAI than Michael McCormick. I mean, what he's done uh, developing Ave Maria baseball uh, so quickly, too, has been really impressive, really fun to watch. Uh, in fact, after this, uh, I want to talk to you. I do want to talk to – I would love to have Coach McCormick on. Uh, that we definitely need, need to set that one up. But, uh, you know, Coach McCormick, he loves his, his transfers, JUCO guys, which y'all both are transferring in from Butler and uh, Tennessee Tech, respectively. What was Coach McCormick's message to y'all, uh, T, when we start with you, uh, about coming to Ave Maria and what ultimately was the deciding factor in y'all you know, putting that logo right there in your chest? You say start with you? Oh, you start with me or start with you? I mean, uh, I really uh I was just trying to, you know, get away from from Butler at the time, find a new new home and uh McCormick just hit me up over the summer and was like, Hey, like 
Like, I know you're trying to get to the next level, like, after college. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And he was like, well, the Sun Conference. And I was like, all right, what's what's the Sun Conference? And I looked it up, and I was like, man. I was like, yeah, this is uh, this place I think I, uh, I'd like to stay for a little bit. So, yeah. So he used the conference, like, just saying, hey, you're going to be playing in probably yeah. the best small ball, small college baseball conference in college baseball. And that was a big recruiting point for him. Oh, yeah, big time. Hey, Sun Conference, baby. Yeah. <laughs> for me, uh, for me, so he recruited me out of Parkland because uh, McCormick, he went to Parkland back in the day. Mm. So that's kind of where our relationship started. Uh, I turned him down earlier because he was just the pitching coach. I don't remember the old head coach's name, but he took over the head coaching job the next year when I was at Tennessee Tech. And then, you know, I, I checked the record one time and saw that they were 500. I was like, oh, okay. And so after that, when I decided I was going to transfer to Tennessee Tech, I got my degree, and I actually grad transferred that semester here. And so really, I just remember his old contact. I was like, that would be a great spot in South Florida. Hit him up, and he said, absolutely. Like, let's get it going, you know what I'm saying? Need an outfielder. And I was like, yeah, just – I had – yeah, I didn't want – after I hit him up when I was in the court, I was like, yeah, Ave Maria, it's, that's, this is a great spot. My grandparents used to live in Naples and stuff, and I was growing up, so it's a money spot. Oh, perfect then. Yeah. I mean, I, it's really not that hard. It's like, okay, here, here's, here's the offer. Come put, come play college baseball at arguably the best conference in, in college baseball, at least, uh, you know, other than like your power fives. Uh, oh, by the way, you're in Naples, Florida. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not that difficult. Darn. Darn. <laughs> real, real tough decision here, boys. But, uh, uh, you know, you guys uh, come in, y'all took the uh, right field, center field, outfielder, uh positions was it a hard transition for y'all just learning like uh the the routine of being outfield partners together or was it a pretty easy jail for you two man pretty easy pretty easy yeah, we, we live together, we live so. together we, do, we do a lot of stuff right. together and just yeah it was it was just from day one we were just we just locked in so I love the job of Ave Maria baseball, by the way. It's, it just it just seems like it's just, hey, we're out here. We're going to have fun. Uh, we know we're, we, yeah, we get, we're trying to, you know, ch change the culture and we're going to take that serious, of course. But, hey, at the end of the day, we're playing baseball. Playing baseball in South Florida, right? We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. I love I love it, guys. Uh, but, you know, obviously, uh, Ave Maria, that's uh, – this is kind of – this is y'all's last year, right? Do y'all have any more eligibility? I know eligibility. Yeah, I, I do. I got, I got two more years of eligibility. Got to love, gotta love this whole COVID 2020. Oh, yeah. uh, got got yeah. my old self back back out on the field trying to at least get, get, oh, yeah. get through uh, one more. We talked a little bit about it earlier, but, dude – I got to get one. I got to get one. I have three teams. Yeah, I, I, really, I haven't. I got one against Southeastern. I got my Southeastern win last year. I ain't got Ave. I haven't got Kaiser. I haven't got St. Thomas. Kaiser, St. Thomas, that's going to be tough. But I I got to get one. I got to get one. When uh when I come down in the fall uh, to Naples, I'm going to need uh, some Ave Maria <laughs> baseball uh, folks out there when, when I'm out there punting. I want y'all yelling at me and stuff. Get, give, me a, give me some good heckles. All right, man. We will. We'll be there. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, Weber, uh, y'all got Weber coming up next week, right? Or am I? Uh, we got off uh, this we weekend. Off this weekend. Yeah. Then we got and Warner. We got next Warner next weekend. Let's see. Oh, I got. I got it right here. Y'all. Oh, y'all actually finished off. So Weber is y'all's. It's the last series. Okay. That could be massive. Wow. That could be end up being a massive series seating wise. But y'all have kind of gotten through. Y'all gotten through the two other two ranked opponents, and y'all got Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Fort Lauderdale is an interesting team. Uh, 
Y'all haven't played them this year, have you? Not yet, no. Oh, yeah, y'all haven't. Y'all played them last year, but that was before y'all got there. They're one of those NCCAA teams. They're – don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on them. They're they're decent. Oh, I see. Okay, how about this? The next weekend, y'all come to Warner. I might have to come out, come out there for those games, boys. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure, yeah. And Weber's gonna be on the road. I might have to come out there. Hey, by, by the way, how y'all liking uh, our new our new uh, Suncast guy, Brian Kelly, out there doing some media coverage for y'all? Great dude, great dude. Yeah, I was really excited. Yeah, uh, you know when I posted uh, about the expanding stuff, uh, he hit me up, uh, and I was like, heck yeah. And of course, I was like, all right, I got to find everything I can about this guy. But I'm really glad he's uh work working out for y'all and everything. It's been a great year uh for you guys obviously uh w- winning a lot and everything but the main goal y'all want to win games but y'all want to win a sun conference tournament or sun conference regular season and you know continue winning in postseason but with the success that y'all have had how's it how y'all been able to kind of ride that way of being like yes the success is great but we still have to go in every day and just keep riding that wave of you know playing baseball and take it day by day to reach the ultimate goal of winning a sun conference tournament I think us all together, we really do take it pretty steady. We're never too high, not too low, and stuff like that. Practice every day, it's it's the same. Like we don't have to like worry about it being a terrible practice. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you know they can be long and BP. We're just standing out there in the outfield. But I mean, at least we're all together. I mean, I yeah. we all yeah, enjoy, we have we good times at practice and enjoy yeah. enjoy being on the field. And you know we uh we go into every series with uh with saying if we don't win three, it's the job failed, so yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I said, said it earlier, but I mean, just the overall feeling of the Ave baseball team, and I, I mean, hand up, I, only Ave baseball player I uh, I talked to last year was Jose Gonzalez, but I mean, talking with you guys, uh, uh, Francesco, talking with, with with Daniel, I mean, y'all are just such a fun team, and I've had so much fun uh covering y'all I, I, y'all can be completely honest here is this the most fun y'all fun year y'all two have had playing college baseball it is my favorite it's, thing to call off danny kaler like in a fly ball like the shallow right just calling dk off at second and he's swearing at me and stuff i love it dude. i love it i love it it's so fun he's playing it awesome yeah i mean it's, it's, so fun. it's definitely up there and uh yeah it's just so fun being around everybody and i mean our team gels well together and we just Cracking jokes out there, being loose, relaxed, having a good time, and just winning games. Yeah, like Leo made a bad time. throw to TK in the throw around. You know, we got like four guys giving him crap and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> good old stuff. God, I love it, boys. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate y'all uh, taking some time. I know it's busy time of the year. Uh, really appreciate y'all coming on. If y'all got anything else y'all want to talk about, add on to anything, y'all fire away. If not, I'm all good, gentlemen. Uh, Capini, you got anything to say, bro? I don't have anything. Go Jireens. Go Jireens. Go Jireens. Good thing, Cap. <laughs> Thank you for having us on, man. Hey, yeah, for sure, guys. Hey, good. Uh, hey, good. Have a good weekend off. Have a good Easter. Catch y'all, boys.